Sunsets from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So dismantling spiritual inhibitions. Let's, let's begin our scripture this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 6. So let's read this together. I like this version. This is the message version of the same scripture. One, two, go. Let's read. The world is on principle. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't leave or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulations. But they are for demolishing that entire massive corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for cleaning the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. This is so good. This is so good. And it's so much simpler than saying dismantling, <laughs> dismantling principality and casting down imagination. This is so good. Like, so, so creative in terms of expressing. And he says the same thing in even more powerful a way. So it's actually very important for all of us to see that these new versions of the Bible are not all demonic. Some of them actually help. But don't use them alone. Don't use The message is a transliteration. So it's not a translation. So you have to use the message alongside a translation. And then that's how to read the message version of the Bible. And then it will make sense when you do your word study. Read the older versions like the authorized standard version, the King James version the new King James Version, because some, I know some of you struggle with the Tao, D-Dest, one test, you know. <laughs> so, except if you did Shakespeare, then you will find it actually quite interesting. I love Shakespeare. So, but I'm trying to come out of my Shakespearean era. <laughs> so, honestly, God has given us tools, and our tools and for marketing or manipulation. God wants us to be real believers. God wants us to be truthful in the way we handle the conversations around life. God wants us to be people who take his word as a powerful, as a powerful way to tear down this massively corrupt culture. God wants us to use our tools for smashing down philosophies. But many times the devil inhibits us from doing just that. So I'm going to only focus on maybe three things. Like number one, is God really good? Number two, is autonomous superior? Number three, are we the same as the world? These are the three questions to ask as we talk about a good God. Is God really good? When you listen to the history of humanity, next slide. When you listen to the history of humanity, you will see the things that have happened in this world. Whether it's colonialism, where, where people from Europe came into Africa 
and the rest of the world and establish their government. And sometimes they even use spiritual things. They came with the Bible and with tools and oppressed Africa. In the heat of colonialism, our culture were removed, our kings were beheaded. And you can see recently the heads of African kings are just returning from Europe. Like they had the head of one guy in Norway. They, they, they put his head inside chemicals, so they preserved his face. They beheaded him because he was fighting the Norwegians. And they actually returned his head recently to, to his people. So Benin kings, uh, you know, the, 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 the strong one, the Jaja of Opopos, all these African kings were literally decimated. So, and they, many of them use God's name. And then you had the slave trade before, colonial, before colonialism. When they, at the, at the heat, at the total, when people were trying to round up how many people had been taken from Africa into the slave trade, many of the summaries give the number of, uh, nobody knows how many. They were pouring them out at sea. There's something called the Middle Passage. During the time of the Middle Passage, they tied people in boats they, they, because they want to, one boat has to carry as many people as possible. So they tie people, they, they lie some people down, and they tie some people on top of them, facing each other, so that they can just use spoon to feed them while they're. So only the strong made it over to the other side. And those of them who died at sea just dumped their body into the ocean. For the slave trade was 800 million. That is about 800 able-bodied men and women were removed from here. So some, so some people who don't believe in God, is actually an int How can God be watching a race get decimated 100 million people removed from their own land? Do you understand? And after slave trade was over, we now have unfair balance of trade with capitalism using the Bretton Woods system where in 1884, Africa's division and then following the end of the World War, the, the IMF, the World Bank, and the World Trade Organization, these tripartite organizations direct world trade and direct who should have economies of scale and which economies are allowed to trade into where freely and all of that. And guess who is outside the OECDs? Guess who is outside the Organization of Economic countries, economically developed countries. Guess who is outside? Africa and Asia. Asia is just simply making its way gradually into the, the space right now. So, how can God be good and the world is so imbalanced? Even in geopolitics alone, you understand? And every day, the wicked man, the bad man becomes bigger. It doesn't seem like the bad man has been judged yet. The wicked man has not been judged. And we just say, let's forget about that history. Do you understand? So I, I didn't come to give you a bigger body. I can see some of you picking the body. <laughs> That's not the essence. I'm just trying to say, so this is the colonial map of Africa for the English. So the French had their own. So if you see here, between here, there's Benin and Togo. This is Nigeria. This is Ghana. I think that's, um, which country is that? Maybe Guinea, one of the English-speaking countries. So that's Liberia, right? Correct. So I think there's another country here, which the British colonized as well. So when you take a look at the world map, this is the British colonial map of the world. You also have like the 
French colonial map of the world and the German colonial map of the world. You guys understand? So, is God really good? Despite the history of how we got here, is God really good? Until you read James chapter 5 verse 17, let's read this together. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Men may be wicked and brutal. Human beings may lock their hearts. Human beings may be mean and hard towards each other. But the truth is that God is good. One of the main inhibitions that make people to not follow after God is the doubt of whether God is good. Regardless of what happens in existence, look back at this scripture. God is good. He doesn't change. He never casts a shifting shadow. He's not like someone who today will be kind to you. Tomorrow he'll become harsh to you. Everything God does towards us is good. Everything God wants to bring out of our lives is good. Everything God is saying about us is good. We may experience hardness. We may experience difficulty. But I want to remind you today that God is good. Say, I believe it. I believe it. God, you're good. God, you're awesome. God, you're powerful. God is so good. God, you are kind. God, you are wonderful. My God, you are excellent. Excellent is your name. Oh, excellent is your power. Lord, you are wonderful. My God, you are excellent. Thank you, Kemme. We're both singing on different keys. All through this song. You should have just taken your hands off and allow me with my key. <laughs> so you guys don't know the kind of transactions we do down here. <laughs> Why are you fighting key with me? It's my key. It's my key. <laughs> God is good. God is good. Chant it a hundred times. God is good. God is good. God is good. Regardless of what happened in history, God is good. God is good. God is good. Regardless of what's going on now, God is good. God is good. God is good. I lost someone. God is good. God is good. God is good. We're broken through. God is good. 
God is good. God is good. That must become a mantra, a chant that you chant. God is always good. The person who believes this will stand at a higher place than anyone else because the lie of the devil is to tell you that somehow there is unrighteousness in God. Somehow there is impropriety in God. Somehow God is not is different towards you. He has the people he likes, but concerning you, he's indifferent. But God is good. God is good. And God is good. Amen. Amen. I want you to hear it. So that's why we, want, we must demolish that stronghold that says, because of how wicked this world has been, God is not good. And don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about because my first class in university was Philosophy 101. And the lecturer steps in and said, I know some of you are religious, but I just want to tell you that God is not good or he doesn't exist. If he's good, then he doesn't exist. It's either he's bad and he exists or he's good and doesn't. Or, you know, you cannot say he's good because of the amount of travesties that happen in the world. And everyone came and argued, but the class left the conclusion that either God doesn't exist or he exists, but he's a bad, wicked, uncaring, cold God. That's what philosophy concluded. But I repeat to myself, I finished that class and I shouted, I just know it in my Noah that God is good. I was 19 years old when I was screaming this. God is good. God is good. God is good. And tomorrow is my birthday month. I'll be 53 years old and I'll still be shouting, God is good. God is good. And God is good. Those people who know the goodness of God taste something else out of life. Those people who hold on to the goodness of God have another experience of life. Don't let the devil talk you into a corner where you start believing that maybe there's a twist in God, there's a badness in him, there's wickedness in him, there's evil in him. He wants to do something wrong. No, God is always good. Even when God wipes out a nation, it's for a good reason. Even when God allows brokenness for a good reason. Even when things perish around us for a good reason. Even when God takes away anything that we have is for goodness. Is for goodness. We can't see it. When we break into this, out of this realm into eternity, we will see everything. But you, you will always make this claim that God is good. I don't know. I'm just, I can't even leave that place. I want you guys to get it into your mind that God is a good God. Hallelujah. Amen. Then, the main idea, we did this in God in the Modern World when we're doing the course, God in the Modern World. I have two slides from God in the Modern World here. The main idea of a modern world is autonomy. There was a theonomous society. Theo refers to God. A God-based society where everybody interpreted everything from the lens of what God is saying. But we moved out of the theonomous society into a new society called the autonomous society. Say autonomous. 
What does auto mean? Auto means self-generated, automatic, right? Autonomous society. We live in a society now where the main rating system is actually about self. So, this is a slide from God in the Modern World. So, I'm, going, I'm not going to spend time here. I'm just going to stay on the topics. In an autonomous society, feelings are above reason. That is why some people are saying, I feel like I'm a man, even though I'm a woman. Feeling is above reason. Then there is the ideology of oppression. In an autonomous society, somebody else is always trying to oppress you. So you should push back against the oppressors, the ideology of oppression. And then self is also above groups. In an autonomous society, you don't want to be a groupie. You don't want to be someone who is in a group with anyone. Once there's a group of people who have a particular shirt, nobody wants that shirt. Do you understand? Have you, have you noticed that once, once people wear one particular kind of shirt, everybody's wearing it, you don't want it because you don't want to be a groupie. But as much as we don't want to be groupies, we're the most groupiest generation ever. We do the same things. We watch the same internet. We go to the same sites. We look for things that are viral. That virality is actually a group. So as much as we hate being grouped together with each other, we are actually the worst groupies of all generations because we are most connected. And because we are most connected, we communicate the most. And because of that, we can see things that we think are nice, like you said. Like you said, those shiny things, we can see them and we want them. How many of you can see the rich kids of Asia? How many of you can see, can see you know, uh, Iran's new, you know? So you, you see those, those palatial homes, you see those patches overlooking oceans, you see travel, you see Mauritius, you, you can see it, you desire it. Why? Because we're a groupy world, as much as we say we're autonomous. That autonomous, the only time we want to be autonomous is when it has to do with God. When it has to do with what the world likes, we like it too. The world likes a Bentley, we all believe in Bentleys. The world likes Jaguar Land Rover, we all love Jaguar Land Rovers. We love the same things. We're the biggest groupies of all. So I want to break that mindset that you are autonomous. You actually are not. Even the mindset that people should be free to be themselves is a groupy mindset. <laughs> it came from somewhere. So, so, sorry, you need your brain sometimes. You cannot be divided and hear anything I'm saying. If you're not connected, you won't understand what I'm saying. So I need your attention. God bless you. The modern society lies that feeling is stronger than reason. That everybody's trying to oppress you and you are a victim, no matter how privileged you are. Modern society tried to tell you that this person is trying to take away your right. This person is trying to do something against you. We are all a bunch of freedom fighters. And all the things we are fighting is from different places. We are fighting one thing. Either we are fighting male emasculation or we are fighting... Uh, feminine, you know, feminism, or we're fighting, what else? 
We're fighting uh, the environmental degradation, or we're fighting, like we have so many wars that we're fighting. Some of them are absolutely rubbish wars. Because when you go back into the blueprint of God, nothing was broken. God created everything and he said, everything I made is good. But we raised up ourselves to believe that we are freedom fighters and somebody is against us. So everything we're talking about is haters. We'll cut people off. If you don't return my energy, the energy I give you, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> we are just those people who block anyone. Block, block, block. Nobody's above blocking. <laughs> whatever doesn't serve your peace, whatever doesn't. <laughs> Do you understand how warped this culture is? That we have zero tolerance for patience with people who need help. That we throw human beings, whole human beings, we dump them in dustbins. That if someone doesn't just serve what we want, we're so off from that person. Zero compassion. These are the things we must demolish. So you, when you hear that word demolish, it's like it's a building. You need crane you need tractor to tear it down it's been it's such a philosophy that's been rang down and nailed down and nailed down and nailed down so much that it needs to be demolished you need kindness you need mercy you need love you need to extend the hand of fellowship to people who don't look like you you need patience for people who cannot speak. You need grace in your heart for people who don't sound like you. <laughs> Give me the grace. Acts chapter 18, verse 1 to 3. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth and death and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus. He returned from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because the emperor Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And Paul came unto them. And because he was of the same business, he stayed with them. And wrath, for by their occupation, they were tent makers. Paul was a Christian groupie. Wherever he went, he found a company of believers. Everywhere he went, he found businessmen who were doing the same kind of business as him, and he hung with them. You should be that way too. Constantly looking for people who speak the same spiritual language. Constantly looking for musicians who bow before God, constantly looking for other people who, like you, believe like you in your profession, in your career, in your area of discipline. Look for people who believe in, in the tech industry. Look for people who believe in God just like you. 
and stay with them. Paul, who was this mighty apostle, many of us think about Paul as an independent, as someone who never attended church. This is not true. He was a church planter. He set up many, many houses of worship. And everywhere he went, he was constantly doing what? Pulling people together. Let's pray. He gathered with Priscilla and Aquila, and then eventually the house of Priscilla and Aquila became the place where, the ch- where a new church started in Corinth. Priscilla and Aquila were not just house pastors. They were the place from where many churches were planted in Corinth. And Paul was there egging them on. We can do this. We can take more ground. Like I always love to see people who are in the field walking in one way or the other for the kingdom of God. I always love to see people who are sent by God to cities to go and, uh, on, uh, to go and dig up the ground. I always love people who can hear from God and say, God sent me to this place to go and do something fresh. I always love to meet people who have their own ministries and are doing something in, the, in one space or the other. I love to be able to be an encouragement to them and say, let's plant wider. Let's go deeper. Let's stretch the ground of what God is saying. Let's cover more space. Why? Because we must break autonomy. We must break autonomy. This church, we have many ministries. Every Sunday, we have many ministries. We're a gathering house of ministers. Among us here are pastors and people who lead groups of different types in different platforms at different levels. We must be a church that is above autonomy. That's a good place to clap. Like, really... If God is calling you to go and do something, we want to empower you. We don't want to fight with anyone and steal ideas and, and claim that we have monopoly of God encounters. If God is asking you to do anything, you don't have to hide. You can come out in the public square and say, I feel sent by God to do this thing and then we'll pray with you. And we'll look for people who can send with you. Pastor Lemo came the other day and said he's on the streets. We said, who wants to go? And about 10 people went with him that day. It's actually very important for us continuously as a church to be a place, a resource center for what God wants to do. We are not autonomous. We are not autonomous. We go back into theonomy. We go back into the God economy. We go back into the place where we establish ourselves in God. We live in God. We don't belong to ourselves. We don't own the structures of church. We don't own anything. We live free. We give it all away. We gather and we spread it out to the need of everyone. Whatever we gather, we release to the the need of the saints. We do not hoard. We do not keep anything away. We're here to be a blessing because we're not autonomous. Like Paul, we look for tent makers. We gather them together. We look for spiritual designers and architects of the new era. We gather them to set together. We look for creatives. We gather them together. We look for people of all types and we gather them together in the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you, you don't know this thing yet, but you come into it that the church of the future is a scattered church. But it's not supposed to be autonomous. It's scattered, but united. Doing many things, but one. Building many different parts of the wall, but not in conflict with each other. Not in fight with each other. 
the church is, we will be building in different parts of the world. I don't have time to go to that scripture where they said, you are building on this part of the world. I am building on this part of the world. But we are building the same wall. Hallelujah. Say, we're building the same wall. Say that to someone, we're building the same wall. Let all the striving cease. Let the conflict between one ministry and another ministry cease. We're building the same wall. There are some who will build imperfectly, like Paul said about Apollos. Some who will build for self-glory. Some who will build for many reasons. But the important thing is that Christ is glorified. Hallelujah. Our job is not to pick at what other people are building and criticize and mock and scorn other people. We're supposed to honor and enable and equip and build. May God give you that grace to be that person who empowers other people in Jesus' name. May your words be full of encouragement. May your purposes and your time be spent doing something amazing in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's read Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and for your pleasure they were created and exist for his pleasure. For his pleasure. So I'm not just saying that we should exist for our own pleasure. God created everything for his pleasure. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. I belong to you. Yeah, we're on the same key now. I belong to you. I could never be more sure that I belong to you. Lord, you own my heart. Everything I am, every moment of my life, beginning and the end. Jesus, 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 you are my Lord. Lord, you own my heart. Everything I have, I could never be more sure. That I belong to you. I belong to you. Place your hand on your chest and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours, I'm yours. My life is yours, it's yours. Everything I have is yours. I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours forever. I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours. My life is yours, it's yours, it's yours forever. I'm yours, 
yours. I'm yours. Thank you, Father God. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. The final point. One day, God woke up and he was done with Ahab. And he said, Ahab may be king right now, but I'm going to deal with him. Ahab may be reigning in the empire right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to scatter this empire. I'm going to deal with the man called Ahab because Ahab represented something. We're going to go into that shortly. So if you may turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 22. Shintamanam brakutema sakaroshta Iyanostamanim brode masaroshte yanama Ikanosta yanomole bradoshta yanamosta First Kings 22 Now three years passed without war between Syria and Israel then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down. Whenever you see that went down in the Bible, mark what is going to happen after. It's never a good thing. The king of Judah went down to visit the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me? But said to the king of Israel, I am people, my horses as your horses. Also Jehoshaphat, for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together about how many? Uh, some of you, you are so sleepy. Church, wake up, wake up, wake up. Yeah. The, the king of Israel gathered the prophets together about how many? 400 men and said to them, Shall I go up against Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? So they all said, Go up for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Ah, you guys are still not fully lost. Let not the king say such. And the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put up their robes, sat each on his throne. It's like when President Obama visited Ghana. There was one throne for the king of Ghana. There was one throne for President Obama, right? Yeah, that's the kind of thing. They put on their robes. Each sat on his throne at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. 400 prophets. That was a whole church. It's more than all of us here. They gathered a city of prophets. 400. 
Like I'd never seen, there's no story in the Bible that's like this one about prophetic encounters. That is, they were gadged up with prophets, man. The king was loaded. It was like a, imagine two royal thrones and hundreds of prophets. And they all took the mic in turn. Go, Ahab! The Lord is with you. Oh, let's read on. Okay. <laughs> and all the prophesied, all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramed Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it to the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, Micaiah. The words of prophets with one accord encouraged the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord said to me, that I will speak. Then he came to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And he answered, go and prosper. For the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. That's encouragement. That was not, he wasn't prophesying yet. He was giving them encouragement so that his voice would not be different from others. So the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you will tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? <laughs> then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountain tops as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each turn to his own house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshua, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Play something for me. I... Micaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by him on the right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in another manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenana, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek, slapped him and said, Which way did the Spirit of the Lord, from the Lord, go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on the day that you go into an inner chamber to hide. There's a place where only inner chamber prophets go and hear things from God. So the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come back in peace. But Micaiah, as they were chaining him and dragging him away, look at what he was screaming. 
If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, take heed, all ye people. So the king of Israel and king of Judah went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. You put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went to battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded his 32 captains of the chariot saying, fight no one, small or great. I only want the king of Israel. So when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they saw, surely this is the king of Israel. Therefore, they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. And it happened. When the captains of the chariot saw that he was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and strung the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out of battle, for I am wounded. The battle increased that day. The king was put up in his chariot facing the Syrians and died at evening. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Unholy alliances, unholy alliances, that's a stronghold we must decimate. Unholy partnerships, partnership with the sons of Belial, unholy partnerships, unholy relationships, ungodly alliances must break today in the name of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was king of Israel. Ahab was king, Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. Ahab was king of Israel. This was after Rehoboam had divided the nation into ten tribes and two tribes. So the two tribes continued on to Jehoshaphat while the ten tribes fell into the hands of Ahab. And in this time, after three years of peace, you know, be careful of peace. When everything was quiet, there was no more war. Jehoshaphat thought it was a time for a state visit. After all, we are both Israelites. Do you understand? I, you know, I balanced it up by saying blocking before. But this one now is coming to holy, unholy alliances. He went to see his fellow brother, the king. That one is more glamorous. Ahab's land is, has ten tribes. He's a bigger king. So he thought, let me align myself to this king. Let me form a friendship. Let me at least be at talking terms with Ahab. And he went to visit. Once Ahab saw that together there were force, Ahab now proceeds to say, oh, Ramoth Gilead. The problem of Ramoth Gilead has been... That's the time ideas started coming to him about the war that remains unfought. And he dragged Jehoshaphat into something that was none of his business. And that was the time Jehoshaphat was supposed to say, Oh king, we're not the same. I want to be positive towards you, but we're not going to be doing business together. He didn't have the liver or the nerve to say it. 
Do you find at a time when it matters most for you to tell people that I'm not the same with you, you struggle to say it? Do you find at the time when you are supposed to refuse an arrangement, you struggle to make that arrangement? Do you guys understand this? This is what happened to Jehoshaphat. He was so moved by Ahab. Ahab had money. Ahab had influence. Ahab had power. There was empire around him. Ahab looked like the big king. Even the kings of Syria had given up on fighting Ahab. It was at that time of peace that Jehoshaphat, but there's something about Jehoshaphat. He always sought a word from the Lord. Say amen. amen. People who seek the word of the Lord don't miss their way. He knew inside him that something was awry. This whole arrangement was not good. It wasn't good. He knew within him. So he said, let's not go to war. Let's ask the Lord. That's powerful. That's powerful. Ask the Lord before going to war. Even when you're in enemy camp, ask the Lord. Don't be so ashamed of bringing up your, your, your prophetic cap that you enter into battles of life without praying first. Whatever you're going through, ask the Lord. Tell that to someone. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord whether you should do that battle. Ask the Lord whether you should fight that war. Ask the Lord whether you should go to that event. Ask the Lord. Ask, ask, ask. Ask the Lord. And Jehoshaphat asked. It was a prophetic cycle. That, 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 that Micaiah, what's his name again? Somebody's son of Chenanna. What's his name again? Zephaniah, son of Chenanna. Is that, is that correct? Zedekiah, son of Chenanna. He even came from his house. In another account, he came from his house with horns. He made horns of iron. He came for prophetic show. Prophetic circus. Have you attended all those meetings when from beginning to the end, nobody prays, everybody's prophesying over themselves from beginning to the end. No word, nothing, just prophecy. It's imbalanced. Prophecy must be based on the word, on the word. <laughs> Milkiah made horns. He came, he said, king, king, with these horns, you will guard the Arameans. Oh, king, the drama. Put horns on his head like a bull. I said, oh, king, this how? I'm going to conquer the Arameans. Dramatic. He couldn't believe that him is not the one with the word from God. You know how you live in a delusion? You actually believe that you are the one with the freshest word. Aye. When Milkiah started to speak, he stood up and gave, and get, gave him a dirty slap. Bam! And said, where did God leave me? It's you that God wants to use now. He was so certain that he was fighting a holy war on behalf of God. He wished not that the Lord was not with him. He was not aware how distant from God he was. Father, put me in awareness of your will. Father, put me in good company with those who desire accuracy. Father, put me in a place where my compromise is not so bad that when error comes, it will sweep me along with the many, oh God. Put me in a tight place by myself, my God. 
My God, my God, my God. May I never be so taken by error. I can't discern. Keep my discernment sharp, oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Keep my discernment sharp. Kandosi kabali tosayaraba. Hi. As they were fighting in the natural, something was happening in the spiritual. There was, a, there was a natural war. There was a spiritual war. In the natural war, there were human actors and prophets and all of that. But in the heavenlies, there was another transaction going on. They said, we are tired of Ahab. We are tired of oppression. We are tired of that wicked government. We are tired of that evil man who will cut him down. Who will destroy his temple. And, we will do, and, we will, and then God did audition in heaven and said, all of you, Tell me, how are we going to catch Ahab? How are we going to catch Ahab? <laughs> One angel said something. God said, good, good. Another angel said something. God said, good. The third one came and said, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. Can you believe a season when all prophets begin to prophesy lies? Can you believe a season when, when it seems like delusions has entered the mouth of all of God's holy men? Men who wait before God cannot catch the frequency of, of heaven. Men who stood before God, sitting on the outer courts, God cannot bring them in anymore. In the Sakamonestaya Kabalita. Kabanamba. I want to be connected to heaven. I want to dwell in the courts of the living God. I want to stay where you are, in the inner room, where your glory flows, where your power pours out upon the land. I want to stay close to your heart. I want to be connected to heaven. I want to be connected to the dwelling place of the living God. Connected to heaven. May your prophecy be more than what people can tell on earth. May your prophecy be more than just words of encouragement. May your prophecy be words that flow from the mouth of God. May the things you declare be what heaven is saying. May the things that catch your attention be the broadcast from the living God himself. Because you're called to demolish the lie that men cannot partner with God. You're called to demolish the strongholds that we are cut off from God. You're called, called to demolish that lie that we can never ever be like heaven. That's what you're called to demolish. In the Sakamoshe in I was called to the presence of the Lord. And I dwell in his temple courts all my days, all the days of my life. I was called to your dwelling place. Hey. Drawn into the heavenlies by the light of your son. And I live there. I live from heaven places. I was drawn into your dwelling place. Called into the heavenlies. 
I leave them. I leave them. I was called into your dwelling place, drawn into the heavens. I leave them. I leave them. Let me hear the sounds of heaven. Take me to a higher place where the high winds blow on the mountain of the Lord. I live there. Shout it out, I live there. Come up, people of God, come up higher. Say, I live there. I live in the heavenly place. I hear another sound. Apart from the drama on earth, I hear another sound. Apart from what people are doing, I hear another thing. I hear another place. I see another realm. I see another realm. My eyes are open. In the spirit, I see another realm. I live there. I live there. Come live in heavenly places. Come dwell in the courts of the living God. Come abide in his presence. There's a lie going out that you cannot be like God. There's a lie going out that you're going to only be hearing from earth. There's a lie going out that you can only be conditioned from this earth space. It's a lie. It's a lie coming to the heavenly places. Oh, there's a lie going on that you're the same as the world. There's a lie going on that you play on the turf of the world and win. There's a lie going on that you don't need heaven for your journey. There's a lie that the earth is everything. That's a lie. Tell someone that's a lie. There's more than this realm. 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 Get called into heaven. I wish that some of you would walk those corridors tonight. As you go to bed, ask God to take me there. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me to a higher place. Take me into the holy walk. Take me into holy romance. Take me in by the blood. I live there. I lived there, I was drawn into the heavenlies, pulled to your dwelling place, and I abide with you, my God. I hear the sound of heaven. This is the sound of heaven. This is the sound of your presence. Destroying every part of me that is flesh, into bondage the enemies of my body constraining my corruption and dismantling everything on the inside of me that is imperfect and bringing grace for a higher race I am not the same as Ahab his horses are not my horses his people are not my people I am of the tribe of Judah. I belong to the lion. I belong to the lion tribe of Judah. 
I was drawn into the heavenlies, taken to your holy place. I live there, I live there. Take me, take me, take me, take me. Oh, Jesus. I just want to stir up a holy desire inside some of you whose Christianity is so shallow and all you think about is what you can get and what will be given to you. There comes a time when God is thinking what you will be, what journey you will take, what things you will do for, for, the, for the cause of the living God. And God is looking down at you and saying, what will you be for me? What will you do for me? What will you build on earth for me? How can you show the world that every expression that is lie is a lie and that I am yours? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The third lie is that this world is all that there is. So many times we read the Bible and we see a second conversation going on somewhere else. How many of you remember anywhere else in the Bible when they were talking on earth and heaven was saying something different? How many of you remember? Yes. You remember? Can you tell us which one? Job. How many remember Job, right? Job was having pandemonium and calamity on earth, breaking out with sores. His children were dying. Everything was going wrong guess what was happening in heaven heaven was so happy with him they were praising him in heaven they were bragging about him in heaven on earth he was a mess he had sores and ulcers and injuries on the earth it looks like he was killing himself in heaven they were bragging about him God said God was saying happily to the devil have you considered my servant Job there's none like him do you know that should change our mind about the people we respect on earth, right? Yeah. This guy had disease all over his body. God was telling the devil, there's none like him. The devil came to test his mindset. Your mindset is very important. The devil came to test the strength of his resolve. When the devil could not break in, the devil went back to God and said, uh-uh. Is he powerful in you for nothing? Uh, you put a hedge around him. <laughs> oh. Come up. You begin to see things that happen in your life. Do you know every time you pray, you really pray, the problems in your life become small. You know why? Because you're tuning into the frequency of heaven. In there, there's no problem. You have no problem in heavenly places. In heaven, there's no problem. <laughs> Can you believe that in heaven there's no problem? On earth, we have problems. I'll give you this story by Pastor Isi. Pastor Isi was having, she wanted to go and do surgery. So she's been praying to God and fasting over this condition for like years. She has shared it publicly so I can, I can piggyback. Yeah. She was fasting and praying over a condition for years. Then, 
the condition wouldn't let up. And her husband said to her, we must do what? Surgery. Wheeled her into the theater. She was busy lying on the bed and still agonizing about the fact that she had to do surgery. Still like, God, like, can't you heal me? God, like, this is not right. I'm Pastor E.C. of the Most High. I tell everybody about your goodness. <laughs> Can't you just heal me? Try now, Lord. <laughs> like somebody said, somebody was saying this example, that Lord, if I was you and you were me, this thing I'm asking you, I would do it too. Eventually, she had to go to that surgery. During that surgery, she got caught up into a vision. She entered into heaven. She said she was taken up to following a light into heaven. She entered into heaven and saw her niece, her niece-in-law, Omoye. Omoye had a flat in heaven. So Omoye was like so excited. Oh, Pastor Isi, welcome to heaven. Come and see my house. So Omoye took her inside. This is my kitchen. This is my bedroom. Omoye was so excited. Just And then she said that she was entering Omoye's house. She just wished, I wish I could have a one-on-one with Jesus. Just a wish in her heart. She didn't say it because you has been taken by the angel around and stuff. She said immediately like less than one minute after that desire came into her heart the door opened with lights and in came Jesus Jesus walked in and she said Jesus you heard me he said yes I hear everything and Jesus began to minister to her she said she was having conversation with Jesus about the things that Jesus wanted to be done on earth Jesus began to minister to her oh like this and this and this this project that project and then after a point, Jesus asked her, do you want to stay? And she said, yes, yes. Then she looked at Jesus' eyes again and discovered that Jesus wanted her to go back. You know that's how some people die? She knew that Jesus wanted her to go back. That moment she said yes. The next thing, she saw herself entering the room, into the hospital room. She said they had conversation. She doesn't know how long. But guess what? At that point in time, Judah had not been born their son. Pastor Isi had been married for eight plus years. She didn't have a baby at that point. She said that the discussion did not come up. While she was talking with Jesus, it didn't come up. She didn't remember that she didn't have a baby. It wasn't important. In the scheme of things, this is the prayer point she was praying on earth to the point of death in the heavenlies. It didn't come up. When you step into heavenly places, you will know what really counts. That is the power. The power to demolish strongholds on earth is to rise into heavenly places. You want to destroy mindset of earth, what the devil is saying, what the devil is doing, come up, come up. I saw myself being caught up into the heavenly place this morning when I was singing the song. I was drawn into the heavenly place caught up into your dwelling place I live there and I live there I welcome you all to junk your lesser mindset to dump 
your basic banal carnal thought patterns I want you to raise up your idiosyncrasy to the one who made everything I want you to raise up your heart to the one who created everything so that you can dismantle the things of earth the mindset of men the strong ideas by which people have bound themselves the chains of ideology by people which people have limited themselves enter the heavenlies and you'll never be the same again thanks for listening to this message from the hills church our mission is to love people connect with family and touch the world Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.